0: Now, as we walk with Jesus, He calls us and He wants us to walk with Him. Now, church, there's some stuff going on that we need to address and we need to talk about and we need to prepare ourselves for. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He has called us to live a life of Christianity, and this life that He's called us to live is separate from the world. All right? We are not made to be chameleons, we don't blend into our environment. We're supposed to stand out, not by the way we dress, not the way we look, the way we live. And the way we live is to be a light in the world of darkness. So when we live a light, a life that is of light, people should see it. That doesn't mean they'll like it. That doesn't mean they're all going to run to it and say, give me what you got. Some of them are actually going to come after you because you live a life of light. Jesus told us this. We should prepare ourselves and understand that. All right. So now, as we step into this, and we're talking about this Christian thing, there's some stuff we're going to talk about that we need to own. Here in the United States of America, um, we were birthed and born as a Christian nation. Now. Before you start debating and wanting to send me emails or Google sites or anything, just relax, okay? (laughs) I'm not telling you that everybody that formed our nation was a Christian or even God-fearing, right? There were Christians involved, there were God-fearing people involved, and there were pagans involved. Some of those were in the church. The pagans I'm talking about. Anyway, as they formed the nation that we call the United States of America, it was formed... On Christian principles. It was formed to acknowledge that the creator of the universe, the God of the Bible, is God. It was created, this nation was formed upon the truth of the gospel and the fact that you should be able to choose to serve God or not. All right, that's what this nation was born from. I know that they're trying to rewrite history and they don't want you to believe there's any Christian thing in it and everything is corrupt that's back there. I know that. Okay, let's look at the reality of where we've been to where we are. And let's understand some things, church, about this. The United States of America has been, and this is not a political speech, I'm not running for office, but it's gonna be sounding political for a little while. The United States of America, because it was a Christian nation, was an evangelistic tool that God used to spread the good news of Jesus. We sent out missionaries to other nations to preach the good news of the gospel. We, for many decades, were the number one sending agent of missionaries to the world. Now, even our missionaries didn't do everything right. None of us do. We're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We need God's help, and he's provided it through Jesus Christ, right? Okay, We own that statement as CFF, but that statement is true about the church as a whole. So we sent out missionaries, and our missionaries would go to foreign lands, and because we're Americans, we would um, sometimes build American homes, white people lived in mud huts and things, and we had money being sent to us, and so we had stuff that the natives didn't. And so we lived a lifestyle they desired, therefore they wanted the God we served because they saw him as a God of wealth. And so they became rice Christians, they called them, because they got food. They'd come and be there. Now, this, this didn't happen overseas. My, my cousin, who's with the Lord today, came to the Navajo Nation up in New Mexico. And he started a, a ministry, and he was called by God to plant a church in the Navajo Reservation. So he began to preach and teach and, and work with people to convert them to Christianity. And what he learned as he was going through was... The Native Americans are very spiritually minded. And therefore, those that were in the peyote huts on Saturday night would go home and take their showers and dress and come to church on Sunday morning. The reason was they wanted to make sure they were serving God, whoever he may be and all that he may be, and be okay with whoever that God might be. Therefore, they were in the peyote hut smoking peyote and visiting the spirit world on Saturday night and coming to church and singing, oh, what a savior on Sunday morning. Okay, now stay with me. Now, what has happened in that missionary mindset was as we traveled through time and we learned what we were doing is people began to go in and learn that they needed to live with the people, like the people, and love the people. Not live in their sin, live with them in their life. What did Jesus do? He lived life with people. You know what the church called him? They called him a pagan because he was eating and drinking with sinners. That doesn't give you a free pass to go to the bar and get a tab, so just relax, all right? Some of you need to stay out of there. God tells you to go there, go there. Okay, Jesus lived and walked and loved sinners where they were, but he didn't leave them where they were. He loved and walked with them to bring them to an understanding of the trueness of a relationship with God and what it meant to live a life with God in full relationship. So the missionaries began to live this way. And then the church began to see conversions, real life change. My cousin, in the work that he did in New Mexico, uh, that that community began to be impacted and uh, genuinely converted to the point where and this is the way it ought to always be the missionary didn't have a job left because those that were converted began to do the ministry and they took and, and owned the church in a good way I'm saying not just Materially, they owned it and they own the ministry, and they have a a, a novel pastor today, and they're serving and living in that community, spreading the gospel. Now, this is what happened around the globe as we sent out missionaries. Church, listen, we were the number one sending agent, we are now the number four receiver of missionaries from the world. That ought to sink in for just a minute. We are now the receiver, the number four on the list of countries receiving missionaries from the world. The very ones we went to tell about Jesus are coming back to us to tell us about the Jesus we told them about. When we've been going through the the lessons that God has given us through the word of God, and we're talking about, remember, we went to... Exodus and how they kept having these issues and God was leading and then we went into the judges where they're in the promised land and how in one generation they forgot what God taught them and they kept turning their back on God for seven years for 18 years for so many years calling out to him oh God please forgive us and come back and take us back again and this yo-yo walk of God being God and God just being part of my life God being God and God just being part of continuously Well, church, nothing's new. Here we are in the good old USA. God was God. Now he's just God. We used to pray in our schools. Do you know the history of that? Do you understand schools started in churches? That's where they started. Our public schools started in churches. Okay. Okay. So then we got smart and built schools away from churches. Then we said, we don't need God here. As a matter of fact, we don't want anybody feeling uncomfortable. So we're not going to pray in school anymore. We're not going to read the Bible anymore. We're going to remove the Ten Commandments. What we have done as a nation is we've told God as a nation, we don't want you in our schools. We don't want you in our government. We don't want you in our judicial system. Actually, you know what? We don't want you. We as a nation. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a church that I believe was a microcosm of the Church of Jesus Christ in the United States. And this is what I know. I have a very limited view growing up in that. But because of what I see as the results today, I believe this was happening everywhere. I do. Not every church, but the majority. And this is what it was. You came to church on Sunday morning You got a message preached to you. You were told that God calls people in a ministry. You were told that when God calls you, you either become a pastor, missionary, or an evangelist. That's where God calls you. The church as a whole was not told you are ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We weren't told that you were being called by God to serve in the public school system or in a political office. We didn't tell you that that was a place that you should strive to be a part of as a messenger and a light to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a direct result of this, the vast majority of believers have not been seen in those environments as believers as light. As we've surrendered those institutions to darkness, and if we are there... We are smothered by laws and restrictions and regulations so that we cannot be the light that we are called to be in our minds. As a direct result of that, God has become the God of the church and not the country. As a result of that, Christianity is viewed as a place that you go to church and then you go live your life. So we come to church because we're a Christian. And then we go out in the world and live our life. But church, that world is where we're called to be Christian. That world is where we're called to be light. And you are called of God. Please hear me. I did not have an education when I came into the ministry. I had zero education when I started pastoring. I mean, a lot of people thought I was a freak and all that stuff in the church as well as outside the church because I preached and I started pastoring a church and I had no education, none. What's where? I may mean, graduate graduated high school, but no official education to be a pastor or anything. Okay, so as a direct result of that, many in the church, as soon as, man, I'm telling you, you get to together with some pastors, you're going to have two questions asked of you within three minutes. Where'd you go to school? How big's your church? Because you know what? We're Americans and bottom line matters. So if you came from a good institution and you have a big enough congregation, you matter. And when I would say, well, I didn't go to school, first thing they do is like, kind of like, whoa, okay, what are we dealing with here? You must be one of those Pentecostal freaks. I'm just telling you, that's exactly what they thought, right? And then when I say, you know, like, um, well, right now on Sunday mornings, we have about 25 to 30 people at church. I completely disappeared in the conversation and in the room I don't matter who am I I am obviously a freak and I need to be avoided I'm just talking about in the Christian community I'm talking about in the pastor's room I'm talking about in the leadership of the church of Jesus Christ all right now understanding this then as we go forward it's like some people right now are wondering, well, does he ever gone to school? <laughs> yes, I have. All right. And when I went to school for my pastoral education, I don't mean this arrogantly, but you got to hear me. The whole while I was being educated, God was saying, this is why I didn't want you here. Amen. Just saying. Amen, I'm not saying everything was wrong there. Don't misunderstand me. But God was saying, hey, I was trying to do something with you that if you did that first, I'd have a lot more work to do with you than I already have to. Straighten out what they mess up. Besides what you messed up, it's a lifetime project, right? Okay. so here's what's going on now. Um, Man, we surrendered our our country. It's not about our country. Please hear me. Uh, I'm a patriot, and I'm so grateful I live in the United States of America. not a patriot like New England patriot. I'm a patriot in the United States. All right, I'm just saying here. So, like, I am a patriot. I love America. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm part of the United States. But, George, the United States is so secondary, and it's going to die. It's going to die. It's going to go away. But the truth of Jesus Christ will not change. But the thing is, is that we have allowed government, (laughs) laws, institutions, society, and everything out there to dictate to us how, when, and where we're allowed to be who we're supposed to be. Come on, man. That's what's happened, and that's what's happening. And the clamps are being put down tighter and tighter because the church was content to come into its own building and be in itself, by itself, and allow everything to happen outside the walls that is happening and is happening and what we have as a result of it right now. Okay, so instead of blaming the world, the government, the devil, let's just blame ourselves and just confront it right here and right now that the church of Jesus Christ is responsible for the condition that we find our nation in today. I mean, you don't all have to own that, but that's the truth. I'm sorry, but it is. Because if we were doing what God's called us to do, this would have never happened. So we have a situation, church. What we have happening right now is a tighter and tighter and tighter grip trying to be placed upon the gospel. Now, those that are involved in this aren't like... mm, Not everyone involved in this is after Jesus but they're after Jesus. And what they're after is to shut him down. And what is happening is the the way that we freely proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior is being monitored and is being attempted to be shut down altogether in this nation that we live in. Today in the state of California, I'm sure many of you have followed this on Facebook and all that. Now, all of you conspiracy theorists, just relax. God's got this. Seriously, relax, man. Don't believe everything you read and don't Google everything and just read it as the gospel. It's not the gospel. The Bible is. Read your Bible. But in the state of California, AB 2943 is being put forth and promoted and being pushed to be passed this law that will... Bring forth any speech, any talking publicly about sexual preferences to be hate speech and punishable um, by arresting and conviction. So what is going on right now is, and this is legitimate, you can check it out. I, we have many churches in California, we're in communication with them. So that if I would preach a message and I would bring up sexuality and I would say God teaches us in the Bible about what sexuality is and isn't. And begin to preach that that I can be arrested for hate speech because I have not acknowledged your life choice preferences. Now, I'm gonna I'm saying this to you because, church, whether that bill passes or not is um, irrelevant in a moment. In saying, there's coming a day, it's gonna pass, it's gonna happen, unless there's a revival. Okay, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Okay, so here's the thing um, to proclaim God's word and teach that you just can't practice uh, any sexual feeling that comes along right now makes people nervous in the church. I'm not even talking about society, there's people in this room because of where I'm starting to talk that are getting a little bit uncomfortable. The reason I stay off Facebook is because I don't want to let see what you guys like and what you talk about. You gotta look at the Word of God. I want you to know. No, God wants you to know. God wants you to know that it's His way. Not governments, not societies, not cultures, not the popular opinion, not the majority vote. It's God's way. He's already showed us in history. Read your Bible. Look at history. He flooded the earth and killed off everybody but eight. God doesn't. He is not worried about leaving someone behind. I'm, I mean, sorry, but it's true. He saved eight people. When he rained fire and brimstone down in Sodom and Gomorrah, he saved Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. He tried to save his son-in-laws, but they laughed and said, ha you're joking. And they burned. And then God struck Lot's wife and made her a pillar of salt because she looked back on the city where he said, do not look back, and she was struck down. Look, God's not, he's not restricted by numbers. What he is restricted by is truth. His truth, his law, his way. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's about him. Amen. In church, it doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter. So let's, let's just go on. I want you all to hear me. God's not okay with lifestyles that are outside of what he clearly has outlined in Scripture. Okay. Um, I would like to hear more than two amens on that. I'm just sorry, but I gotta... Amen! (laughs) Now, a lot of Christians right here are really hoping that the next thing I start talking about is homosexuality, bisexuality, gender fluid, all that. But I'm going to talk to you about heterosexual relationships first. (laughs) That's male and female. (laughs) The reason I want to talk about that first is because, see, the church has kind of like clouded over and given grace to our own sin to condemn the others. Because what they're doing is worse in our mind. We justify our sin by condemning theirs. And what I'm saying, church, is God's law is God's law. God's word is God's word. He's not okay with adultery. Guess what, church? He's not okay with divorce. Amen. Read your Bible. God says he hates divorce. Why does he hate divorce? Because he sees the damage that it does to not only the individuals involved, but the world around them. Why? Because the relationship that God gave us as male and female in a covenant bonding lifetime relationship represents a relationship with our God. And that's why the enemy wants to destroy it because it mirrors the love relationship and commitment we have with the Father in heaven. And so church, we've justified our own actions of divorce. We've justified living together without a covenant relationship. We've justified fornication, which is premarital sex. It's not okay. We've justified all these things because of what they're doing. And until the church begins to live by the outlines of God's standards, nothing in society is going to change. And while we are winking or closing our eyes at sin in our life, God is wide open about it. When you read God's word, he doesn't hide stuff. He doesn't hide it about his own people. He doesn't hide it about his leaders. When King David had an affair, he tried to cover it up. God didn't let him. David is the most well-known king of Israel. He is the one whom God made a promise that the Savior would come through his lineage and sit upon the throne of David forever. And yet when David screwed up and had an affair, God called him out and made it a public spectacle of it and called him to repentance. See, God's not okay with it, church. God's not okay with it. By the way, before I go any further, if you've been divorced, you ask forgiveness. And God forgives. Okay? He forgives everything. Don't, don't sit here and think, oh, my goodness, I got to go back three spouses and be remarried. No. D- I mean, seriously. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's what she says, too, brother. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay so like we ask forgiveness and then God forgives right and so when I ask forgiveness God sees me as perfect and spotless that's what's amazing about God I mean I, I am a virgin in his sight when I'm forgiven it's amazing he's amazing he really is amazing so when God talks about lifestyle choices then please I don't really want to get off on stuff today. I got I to gotta keep myself focused here. Okay, so. The word of God talks about heterosexual relationships. And the fact that it is a blessing from God. And guess what? It happened before sin entered the world. Sex is not sin. We've corrupted it and made it sinful. God gave us the sexual relationship of a male and female as the fullness of his holy union and the bonding of ourselves together. One of the problems that we in the church have done is we've not taught sex as a spiritual act, and it is absolutely spiritual, and that's why we've screwed it up so bad. Right. Right. I mean, Christians don't even really pray about their physical relationship with their spouse. They don't, other than, Dear God, let her say yes tonight. Um, <laughs> the, the prayer... <laughs> the, I mean, we, if, if we did a little private... <laughs> Sorry, but uh, (laughs) come on, let's get focused, all right? So like, if we did a little private survey and said, you know, when's the last time you prayed about your physical relationship, and, and I mean really prayed about it, not a lot of people would say they have, and yet it's spiritual. God says that it makes us one. Adam and Eve became one in the sight of God, as God brought them together in covenant relationship, and their relationship was consummated in the physical relationship where it says that we are one. And Paul even writes to us and says, hey, what is some of you guys doing going and being with a prostitute? Don't you understand that when you're with them, you become one with them? Okay, it's a spiritual thing. So let's leave that alone for a second. So in the word of God, he talks about the fact that he has blessed and called us to a heterosexual male-female covenant relationship, where sex is a part of it. And he says, now, um, fornication, which is pre-male sex, is not okay. Stop making excuses for it. Yeah, you got urges. So what? It's not okay. Get married. The Apostle Paul said, get married. You know, dating is the problem with our culture. Dating is the problem. It's physically driven. I think you look hot. I'm going to ask you out. I have a desire for you. And so we pursue someone based on their physical appearance. And so everything about it is physical. And therefore, we have a problem from the get-go when you ought to be just praying and saying, God, who do you have? And remember that Eve was created and brought to Adam. He didn't pursue her. God will bring you your spouse if you're patient and wait on him. And if you would, you wouldn't have some of the problems you have today. All right. dating is, is jacked up and it's screwed up our culture. Just leave it alone. OK? Stop it. God wants you to be married, let him point to that person and marry him. Do they have faults? Yep, they like you. <laughs> God's going to work on that. Okay. Adultery, he says, is wrong. Same-sex relationships is sin. Bisexual relationships are sin. Pedophilia is sin. Bestiality is sin. Rape is sin. These things are sin. God's word describes it as sin. Okay? The Bible teaches us that these choices that we make are wrong. Now, some keep arguing that we're born with such tendencies. Let me just say this to you. We are born in sin and we need to repent and turn from sin and find the Redeemer who will make us whole. So therefore, your claim that you're born that way is still skewed. Sorry. Let's let's be real. (laughs) See how quiet it got? (laughs) Everybody's (laughs) nervous. Yeah, I want you to think about it, I do, because, all right, so here's the next thing. 30 years ago, I was pastor in a church, and at that time, it wasn't okay to be divorced. Even in our culture, it was kind of like a hush-hush thing. It grew in that early stages where it became something that the church began to experience. Part of the problem was we were never taught what a relationship's about. Therefore, we had a lot of dysfunctional relationships in the church as well because we didn't talk about stuff because we just don't talk about those things. And so what happened is now people are divorced at a regular rate to the point where in the church we have a higher divorce rate than those in the world. And it's really not even talked about. And so back then when I was pastor and I said, you know, there's going to be a day that homosexual relationships will no longer be even looked at or blinked at it'll be accepted in the church and they'll be doing homosexual marriages in the church and everybody was like, no way and it wasn't that Dave was a prophet Uh, it was a prophetic statement of truth because it's very easy to see how we justify our life choices and our actions in who we are and we're (laughs) not true to the word of God as a people I'm talking about the church now, not culture I don't expect anything from culture I don't. They're lost. They live in sin. They're going to make wrong choices. But the people in the church that read the Bible, that are called by God, that say they know him, and they're making these choices, there's a problem there. Okay, church? You guys can get a little more nervous now because we're going to step a little deeper. Okay? So I stand here before you, and this will not be the first time I make this statement, but there's coming a day in our culture If God should tarry and spare lives, that pedophilia will be accepted as a life choice. Church, write it down. The exact same response you just had inside of you was first made about divorce. Then it was made about homosexual relationships. But church, the gradual removal of the Spirit of God that has happened in our culture because we've told God to leave has left us to our reprobate minds. Amen. And as a whole, we as a society are seeking wholeness, filling, and something to meet our need. What we're looking for is love, and we are not finding it. Therefore, we will continue to pursue experiential things in life to finally obtain something resembling love. Yes. Amen. And therefore, this, unless there is a move of God, Will become a regular practice in people's lives. Church, it's a truth. Sin will take you where you don't think you'll ever go. The enemy is out there to destroy, not to heal. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family, your home, your life, your relationships. He wants to destroy you. Come on, man we got to look at the word of God and understand something. We've got to preach the full word of God. Yes. And you know the apostle Peter, when he was writing to the first century church, when he wrote them, read his gospel writing. He said, judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. This is where it starts, church. Not out there. Nope. Jesus loved sinners. He had a problem with hypocrites hypocritical, religious people. Mm -hmm. I'm not calling y'all hypocrites, so don't misunderstand me. Please don't misunderstand me. Look, I want you to know that no matter what laws are passed, no matter what happens in our nation, no matter what, we have to preach and live the truth of Jesus Christ. We have to. I understand that it's difficult. We have so many issues Our teens and our young adults are searching for answers. Therefore, they're experiencing things and experimenting with things. What do you think is going to happen, church, when we've already been telling them since they were little tiny children about this sex thing and, and how to do these things safely and all this kind of stuff? And we've let the public schools teach our kids what sex is. Do you think they would ever teach it as a spiritual act or something that God gave us? No, it's all about you, your feelings, and what you want to experience. Where do you think we're going to go but wrong? Okay, so God doesn't want us to condemn these young people. He loves them. I want everybody to know this online, here in the church, everywhere. Anybody and everybody is welcome at CFF, no matter what your lifestyle choices are. At the same time, I say that I'm telling you that I'm going to love you and embrace you, but I'm going to love you enough to tell you that God's not okay with that. Okay. I mean, we're going to do it in love. We're going to love you through it and help you along the journey. But I already know about this God that I serve. And I know how he transforms lives. And I'm talking to you that are in screwed up heterosexual relationships as well. God loves you. He wants to heal you. And he wants to make it what God created it to be in the first place, which is amazing. Marriage is not a bad thing. It's an amazing thing. If it's bad, it's because of you. And you need to repent and let God work in your life. Okay. I knew this was going to be an exciting moment, (laughs) an amazing service today. So I want you to know that if we don't hold the biblical truths that God has outlined, we're going to fall. We're going to fall as a nation. We're going to fall as a church. But most importantly, we're going to fall as Christ followers. We're going to be nothing more than an institution that has a cross on it. That's it. See, Jesus taught us to teach Preach and proclaim his truth in love. Which I commit myself to do. As I mentioned at the very beginning, in my zeal to serve God, I know I look back and cringe at some of the things that I said at funerals to my lost family members. I cringe and I'm like, oh God, somehow, somehow heal them from me. Because what I said was truth, and how I said it was not in love. It was my desire for them to repent and change and to find this Jesus who I know they needed. But, church, you know, if we don't do it in love, it'll never be heard, it'll never be seen, it'll never be experienced. We looked at the two feasts. Man, I'm running out of time. we got to get going here. Two weeks ago, celebration of Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit fell on the believers, completing the trifecta of God's redemptive plan. The holy trifecta of God was the cross where Jesus died and paid the penalty for our sin. Three days later, he rose from the grave, being triumphant over sin and death, and he took the keys of death and hell away from the devil. And then on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, the full redemptive plan of God, that holy trifecta of his redemption happened when the Holy Spirit fell and came and dwelt in the hearts of believers. On that day in Acts chapter two, on the day of Pentecost, Jesus was preached by Peter in the streets and the other apostles and 3000 people were saved and baptized on that very first day. If you continue reading in Acts chapter 3, we step into this. Peter and John are going to the temple for worship. They're going on down there. See that guy begging by the door. Tell him, I don't have any money, but what I do have is Jesus get up and walk. The dude gets up. He's over 40 years old, never walked a day in his life, and he goes running in, shouting and praising God because he's made well. Well, everybody knew him, and it's caused a big scene, and everybody's coming over to check this guy out and What's happening? So, of course, Peter sees an opportunity to preach Jesus, and he does. So the people are gathered together around him. In Acts chapter 4, because of all this chaos going on, the guards see what's happening. The high priests, the leaders, and the elders see it. And they tell him to go arrest those guys, so they arrest Peter and, and uh, John. And so they take them and they put them in prison. And in Acts 4.4, It tells us that now the believers grew to 5,000 men. Now look, remember this. There's no church yet. I'm saying there's no buildings of churches. Do You understand what's happening here is people are meeting Jesus. They're telling other people about Jesus. And they're spreading the gospel. And people are coming to know Jesus. And there are no church services to go to yet. But the church is growing. Lives are being changed and transformed. And so as this is happening, and the Spirit of God is moving, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are called before the council of rulers to give account of their behavior. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaches Jesus to them. And his final words of that message, as he proclaims true to them, are these in, in Acts 4.12. Hear it. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. I mean, that's straight up, church. Peter let him know it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. All right. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Hello. Quit making excuses for yourself. God uses ordinary, untrained people. Thank you, Jesus. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. Isn't that awesome how people are talking? When's the last time you tweeted out, Facebook messaged, Instagram whatever, 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 about Jesus. I don't care about what you ate. I don't care about where you are. I don't care about seeing a selfie of you. Who are you talking about? Jesus, man, look, they didn't even have any of that stuff. And the elders themselves said, everybody in Jerusalem knows about this. Well, go figure. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in, commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. That's what's trying to be happening here in our country. Just like the first century church, exactly the same. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot, for everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Church, the gospel message calls for all of humanity to turn from their sinful ways. How about if we stop thinking about sexual sin for a minute and just say, God has called us to turn from our sinful ways. And the church needs to repent and stop sinning. Amen. 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 Until we repent and allow God to lead and begin to live the life God's called us to live, guess what? It's going to keep going downhill. We can't own the verse that says, oh, in the end times, things are going to go bad and worse and worse and worse. Man, I've been hearing about that since I was a kid. It's our, like, escape clause for being responsible for anything. It's like, well, I can't change it. It is what it is. And it's all going to hell anyway. Amen. We're called to be the light. We're called to be the redeemers. The reconcilers. The ambassadors of Christ. Agents of change. See... The repentance God is calling us to is an about face, a turning away from a self-driven life to a Christ-following life. As you repent, the Holy Spirit fills us. He begins to lead us on a journey of Christ-likeness. Amen? We've been preaching this, man. It's in the Word of God. It's not about what we've been preaching. It's in God's Word. We've been reading it. So the apostles are threatened, told not to preach and teach Jesus. They leave, and they keep on preaching Jesus. Don't forget that. Peter told them they were going to. He wasn't going behind their back. He said, hey, should we listen to you or God? I think we're going to listen to God. We're going to go do it anyway. So in Acts chapter 5, the Holy Spirit's moving in Jerusalem. I mean, the church is just growing. People are beginning to assemble like we are this morning as groups of believers. That's where the churches came about. They came together celebrate, comfort, challenge one another, fellowship together, and then go back and live Jesus in the world. Okay, so it starts happening. So now there's people in the church that are like, you know what? I see some problems over there in that community. They really got some needs, and I had this extra property. I sold that property. I'm bringing the money to you guys that are leading the church to give it to them. I'm not asking anybody to do this. I'm talking about Acts 5, so hear me. So they take the money in. People are all excited about it. They're like, man, that is awesome that they did that. People are talking about it. So Ananias and I Sapphira get together. This is a husband and wife, and they're like, you know, we should sell that piece of property up there in Sholo and uh, take the money and give it to the church but instead of like giving them the whole amount we'll tell them we sold it for 50 grand we'll sell it for 75, we'll keep the 25 but we'll get all the glory for the 50 so the husband comes in to Peter and says hey sold our property, here's the money, give it to the poor and the needy, well the Holy Spirit knows this church, he knows everything and he just shows Peter and Peter says did you really sell it for that amount yes we did he said, why would you lie against the Holy Spirit? Dead. The dude falls down dead. Wow. Right there in front of the church. Calls the ushers. Carry him out and bury him. Ushers come in, carry him out, take him out to bury him. His wife was late for church. She comes in. Peter calls her up. Spire, he come here for a minute. Did you sell your property for 50000 Yes, we did. He says, man, you know what? The ushers that took your husband out the bam are coming in the door right now, they're taking you too. Boom, she falls dead. The word of God says that great fear, obviously, fell upon everybody. I bet the offering was pretty strong the next week. So, legitimate offering. Alright, so anyway, so this is what happens. The word of God, read your Bible, man, Acts 5. It's like, wow, great fear spread out, God's moving. Now, as the spirit of God is moving out there now, there's people coming from outside villages and farmlands and people are coming in because they're hearing about what's happening. Miracles are taking place. Lives are being transformed. Jesus is being preached. The church leaders are jealous. They don't like it. They look at it like we can't control this. We have no handle on this. This opposes us. So they arrest the apostles again, put Peter and John in jail. So the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, hey. Get out of here! Opens the door, says, "Go on down there and preach in the temple courts again." The good news, Acts five twenty. Go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told, and they immediately began teaching. All right. So leaders hear they're preaching Jesus again, and they arrest them again. All right. So Peter again is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's talking to them about Jesus, and this is what he says to them when they tell him, "You got to stop this. We already told you not to do this." We must obey God rather than any human authority. Amen. Yeah. Underline that, church. Yeah. We must obey God rather than any human authority. Amen. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Yes. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him. Hey, the holy trifecta of God's redemption. Peter's preaching it, man. It's right there. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill him. No repentance. Anger. So there's this little conversation that happens again outside in the little room. One of them says, you know, we shouldn't kill him. This isn't of God that's going to stop. So they come back, and they decide not to kill him. Instead, they say this to him in Acts 5.40. Others accepted his advice. They called the apostles, and they had them flogged. They beat them. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. The reason why you and I are here today is because they were faithful to preach the good news of the gospel. People have been doing this for generation to generation. It's our calling and our responsibility, church, to go from house to house, friend to friend, family to family. Letting them know about Jesus. I am not talking about going and knocking on your neighbor's door and preaching at them. Why don't you love them first? That would be a good idea. And then when God opens the door, you can tell them why you love them. It's Jesus. Okay, anyway, twofold purpose in our message today to call us to repent and believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and He has called us to live a Christian life, to be the light, the ambassadors. The followers of Christ, the light that we're supposed to be, church, we must repent and be that church. Amen. Yeah. We must, or nothing will change. The second part is for all of us to understand this call to being a Christ follower has nothing to do with being politically correct, it has nothing to do with the government or having their approval or society's okay. We serve God because He's God. We proclaim this truth because it is truth. We love Jesus because he's the Savior. Yes. Yes. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave on the third day. Yes. Do you believe that, church? Yes. I believe the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost to fill believers, giving us the ability to live a Christian life. Do you believe that, church? Yes. Are you? I believe we are called to live, preach, teach the truth of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that, Church? Yes. Are you doing it? Yes. I believe we will live eternally, and there's a real heaven gained through Jesus Christ, and a real hell gained through the rejection of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that, Church? Yes. That means our family and friends are going to hell that don't know Jesus. Do you know that? Yes. And it's our responsibility to let them know who He is. I cannot tell you. How many people in the church, Someone in the church, come to me about someone in their family who has died? And I asked them, were they a believer? Well, you know, they believed in God. They, um, they, they didn't go to church. Um, I think they were baptized. You know, like, seriously? I, I love you, but seriously? Look, man, if you don't know they were a Christian answers are they weren't how can you be a light and a witness to jesus christ and you and their family not even knowing yeah amen and if you are a christian and they don't know it what is wrong with you i mean i'm being serious church i mean i I, we've got to be real i mean this is not a game the vast majority of people are going to hell the word of god says so And they're going there by their own choice. Not God's, theirs. God made a way for us to not go there. It's our choice. The the redemptive planet, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe on it would be saved. Do you know who's condemned? Those that don't believe. You should read the Bible, John 3, 16, 17, and 18. It's pretty straight up. Gives the whole gospel plan, the whole redemptive plan, the whole reason of the judgment, and that there is a judgment. So if judgment must begin at the house of the Lord, um, I'm just saying here, let's let's start this way. Let's repent of our sin. Let's not oh, let's let's not condemn society. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Let's look first at ourselves. The sin that is in our life needs to be repented of and turned from. And then we must live the spirit-led, spirit-filled Christian life that God has called us to live. And we are called to live that life out there so that the people that are not living that life would see Jesus in us. And we have an opportunity to let them know who he is. That's God's call for us. So, church, it's time. It's past time, actually. Would you stand with me? Yes. It's four minutes after 12, according to clock back there, and they didn't turn my mic on for four minutes before the service started. <laughs> so I'm on time. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> and so now this is your time, and it's your opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. He loves you. Look, however we, I may have projected him to you or somebody you know have projected him to you, I want you to know he's real. You don't have to like me. He loves you. Yeah. You know what? You don't even have to agree with everything I said. You know, but you need to know that what he says is truth. And you need to know what he says. And you need to know him to know what he says. And so I'm inviting you to get to know this God who loves you. And if you don't know him this morning, would you please come to this altar and get to know him? If you do know him and you've been living and making excuses for your sin, would you come forward and repent of that sin in your life and ask the Spirit of God to purify you, transform you, and lead you in your life to live the life that God's called you to live? Church, the altar's open. It's up to you. It's all there. God's calling you. What are you going to do? What are you going to (laughs) do? He loves you.